Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of the High Q Podcast. I'm thrilled to introduce our special guest, Brock Mogensen. Brock is a renowned real estate syndication expert and commercial real estate investor. As a founder of Smart Asset Capital, he manages an impressive $25 million in assets. In today's episode, we will dive into a world of commercial real estate and discover valuable insights from Brock on how you can enter this exciting industry. Additionally, Brock will share his wisdom on achieving a balanced life while still pursuing your most ambitious goals. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast for future episodes, and we highly encourage you to provide feedback to help us improve and deliver the content you want. Now let's get started and enjoy the show. What's up, man? How you been? Not much. I've been good. Where are you living life's, nowadays, bro? You're like all over the world. Yeah, I was kind of like bouncing around for like a whole year and a half there. Um, I'm in Canada now. Okay. British Columbia. Beautiful BC. So nice. Yeah. I saw you were in Miami for a while. How was that? It was awesome, man. I went so, down and so you spent the uh the whole winter there. Yeah, January to April, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. And that's great. gonna be like that's gonna be your new routine type of thing. That's the goal. Yeah, that's the yeah. goal. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to figure out if I can get like a second place down there just for convenience, but Otherwise, I'll just do like short-term rentals. And that's probably the more realistic option. But we'll uh, we'll see. Yeah, no, I, I love it down there, man. It was it was good times. Obviously, you spent quite a bit of time down there too. It's it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I was going to like some conferences down there, uh, the Bitcoin conference. Just spending some time. I don't know, kind of vacationing, I guess. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. That, that's actually that's where we met. Was down in Miami, hey? Yep, yep. Yeah. You were, what part of Mexico? You were in Mexico for a while right yeah then i was in mexico for like four months i think damn what part of mexico so i went to uh i went to tulum and i did not like tulum at all i mean you you might as well go to miami if i'm not saying i don't like miami but it's like you might as well go to miami because everything's overpriced Um, yeah yeah and i don't know it just wasn't my scene it felt a little too fake to me yeah so i was looking for like the real laid back um down-to-earth culture so okay. I went over to Oaxaca, uh, the Oaxaca region of Mexico, Puerto okay. Escondido, and uh, did some surfing over there. And it's it's like a whole other vibe, man. It's like, you know, you got hippies everywhere. You know, people, they watch the sunset go down and then everyone claps as it goes down. It's just, it's funny. That's it's cool. it's a different type of vibe. Yeah, it's super laid back. If you need to like decompress and chill, that's definitely the place to go. Damn. Yeah, I've never been over that. That sounds amazing, man. That'd be yeah. awesome to be able to get in the surfing and be on the beach like that. Yeah, it's the number two spot in the world for surfing. Uh, Zipa, what's it called? Uh, Zicatella is like the name of the, the main area there. Okay. Uh, and then I spent some time in Cholula, went through like Mexico City, spent a lot of time in Cholula. <clears throat> were you ever like traveling around there? Or is it like, were you ever like getting into sketchy situations or like crime wise or just overhyped like that? Because I feel like you hear a lot of the cartel stuff. No, I mean, like, so I follow these these girls and, like, some guys on, on Instagram, and, like, they usually stay around the Sayulita area, and they travel by themselves, which, so that's, I think, closer to uh, to the States, but, mm-hmm. I mean, I've only heard it's kind of sketchy if you're in, like, Sinaloa, like, the areas yeah. where there's, like, the cartel and stuff. Um, I mean, the, the police officers, if you're riding your, your little scooter without a bike helmet, like they might try to pull you over give you a ticket um and they'll charge you like 500 they'll say oh give me a thousand pesos or something and you're like Damn. and you bargain with them right they're just yeah 
They're kind of corrupt, you know? but you you can't blame them because you're you're like a gringo, right? So yeah, they know you get water. Yeah, Damn. you can't blame them at all. Yeah, that's wild, man. That's fun though. But yeah, I did Mexico and then I did Portugal. Um, oh shit! But I, I spent like the majority of my time in the states, probably too yeah. long in the states. Yeah. So you're back? Are you back in Canada for a while now, or, or are we just planning out the next thing, or what? Yes. Yeah, so so back in Canada for at least the summer until uh, until I figure out my next move. Wait, what do you got going on like uh, business wise right now? What's what are, what are you working on right now? Business wise, um, kind of been focusing on just like playing around with like online tools. Um, I don't know, like I'm taking a data analysis course through like Coursera, nice. just trying to like build my my tech skills. Um, mm -hmm. You know, messing around with ChatGPT. You know, looking into like Python and some different coding languages, all that sort of stuff. Nice. But um, it, so so what I'm doing right now, I, I just do this for feel like if I could just record some of those conversations and just share that with other people, like that'd be yeah. valuable to someone else who, for sure, know, age doesn't really matter. I feel like conversations people have today can be, you know, very valuable. So that's kind of that's kind of what I'm doing. Is like I, you know I started a YouTube for like my travels. Um, I put you know, my Mexico travels on one of my YouTubes. Uh, so it's called, what is it called? Uh, blockchain Gypsy or Gypsy Blockchain, something like that. <laughs> I'll follow right now. Sure, yeah, I've, I've got one video on there, um, planning to add some more. And really, just doing it for fun, man. Like, I'm not, I don't really have any, like, big expectations. I'm just kind of feeding that, that side of me that's, like, kind of telling me to do it. And I'm just like, you know, I want to, create some YouTube videos. Why not? Like, it seems like a fun thing to do. Yeah. Um, and these sort of conversations that I'm having with you, I'm also going to do that on like more of a business um, kind of side of things. So, okay. So, yeah. Okay. All right. I love it, man. Oops. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. Um, that being said, do you want to like, tell me a bit about yourself, Brock and like kind of what you do, how you got to start within real estate. So you have smart asset capital. Um, how, how did you get into real estate? Where did you start and what's going on with that today? Yeah. So I started in real estate about, it's been about five years now. Um, and it really, you know, taking a step back from there, it really started with growing up, seeing my, my dad owned two duplexes, right? So both my parents, very blue collar. My dad drove a truck. My mom was a teacher and he bought two duplexes, right? Like in his twenties or thirties. And I saw what simply having four units, right? That extra couple of grand a month in cash that's coming in, what it could, could do to just, increase your lifestyle. Right. Um, yeah. so growing up, I saw that, I mean, I was even growing up like living in duplexes, right. Growing up and not even really knowing at the time, like that's what a house hack is. Right. So it's, it's kind of cool that I saw that. But anyways, when I got out of college. I, I kind of knew like, Hey, buying a couple duplexes is, is the way to go. Right. It's a smart move, financial move to do in life. So that was really the goal when I got out of college, right. I wasn't working some crazy job out of college. I started in customer service, not really making much money at all. And the goal was to just stack away some cash and buy a duplex. So I did that, right? So I saved up some money for a year, bought a duplex. And then after that duplex, it really just kind of opened up my eyes to like how awesome real estate is, like cash flow, you know, tenants paying down your mortgage, the tax benefits, all this stuff started clicking like instantly. Yeah. And decided from there, like, hey, this is, I always kind of had that entrepreneurial spirit. Didn't really know what avenue I wanted to go down in business, but that's kind of when it all clicked, like real estate's that business. It's tried and true. I don't have to come up with some crazy invention, right? It's like just a, a proven path to follow. So spent some time from there deciding like which, because obviously there's so many ways you can go in real estate. You can flip houses, you can wholesale, you can do short-term rentals, right? There's all these ways you can go. 
So I did some research, like kind of experimented with different avenues. All to, like I was trying to flip houses, do the wholesaling. I just didn't really have much luck with that. And then came across this concept of syndication, right? Which is essentially partnering with other investors, leveraging other people's money to be able to go after larger commercial properties. And to me, that seemed like the, as I started researching more, that's the end goal, right? If you look at people's trajectory in real estate, generally they start with wholesaling or flipping, then they all ultimately end up into, you know, raising, raising capital to buy big properties. It's the model that all the biggest investors are following, right? So yeah. that's, I was like, well, why not just skip all this, kind of just go to where, you know, the most money is being made and the biggest path to creating wealth. That's kind of what I did. I spent some time learning, um, studying the model. Obviously, I didn't have experience. I didn't really have any money. I couldn't go do it by myself because you need all that stuff. So found a partner, networked, ended up, you know, long story short, I connected with two other partners. We created our company. And, you know, a year after that duplex, we syndicated an 89 unit apartment building and then just continued to grow from there and, you know, left my job a few years after that to go full time. And today, you know, we're at, a, we're, you know, we've done about 12 of these deals. We've got about 25 million in our portfolio right now. And um, yeah, now we're just kind of scaling to the next level at this point. Wow, interesting. Okay, so you said you you quit your job like two years ago. So what was that job that that you quit? Yeah, so I was so I I got a lot of good experience. I don't regret actually working in you know the corporate for a while. I I, I uh, towards the end I was in IT, but I got to work in I mean customer service. I was in kind of like database marketing for a while, direct mail marketing, and then IT. So I was in a few different roles. I really got to kind of see different angles of the business. So I le I learned a ton, but ultimately knew like the goal was to leave that to go full-time entrepreneur. And that's, that's, uh, it's been about two years since I, since I made that transition. Okay. Right on. And so you said you have 25 million. Is that, I don't know what the, the lingo you guys use is. Is that like assets under management or that's correct? Yep. Assets under management. Okay, cool. And then do you guys keep like a liquid portion within your fund? No. So, so we're actually right now doing deal by deal syndications. So okay. really what it is, is we find a deal, and we go out, we create an investment summary, you know, investment packet for that deal. And the mm -hmm. investor is investing solely in that property. Whereas on the other hand, a fund is, hey, I'm going to go out to this investor and say, hey, do you want to put 100 grand in? You know, okay, it's going into this fund and that 100 grand might get dispersed to 10 different properties. Yeah, That's kind of the differences between, I mean, ultimately, I think the goal for us is to move into a fund model. We're actually kind of exploring that right now. Um, but currently, as it sits, we're just doing deal by deal syndication. So we're raising capital on a deal by deal basis. Okay, right on, right on. And so you said like usually it's a minimum twenty five thousand and up investment from correct. Investors, yeah, right? that's kind of where we're at right now. Is around there. Yep. Okay, cool. And so do you guys have like repeat investors, like people that just, you know, I, I saw you have a newsletter. I'm a part of your newsletter, so you send out the yep. newsletter to people, um, keep everyone updated, that sort of thing. So you have like investors that keep coming back for other deals, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, a good portion of our investors now are just repeat investors, right? We have we have investors that are pretty much just in for every deal, and it's a matter of them just checking out the deal and signing off on it. And then referrals, right? That's transitioned into, you know, some investors have had great great experiences with us, and they're like, all right, mm -hmm. you know, they bring their buddies in. So it's uh, that's been a major source for us for raising capital recently. Okay, cool, right on. And so, how many people are a part of your team? Like, how many other guys or girls do you work with? Uh, so two other partners, us three, um, are the are the general partnership of the group. So we're the ones, you know, with the syndication, right? The general partnership, the GP team is the one that's going out. You know, we're hunting for these deals. We're doing the underwriting. We're making the offers. Uh, mm -hmm. we're, we're putting our names on the debt, right? And then we go out and limited partners are the ones providing the equity. We, we put our own money in aside them, you know, alongside them in the deal. But they're the ones providing the bulk of the equity as a limited partner. You know, no responsibilities, no signing on the debt. They're just providing and, and taking a piece of the equity in the deal. 
So okay. yeah, our side, three people. Awesome. So the, the interesting part about that is like you're forming these deals um, and you can also put your own skin in the game as well, right? Correct. And yep. that, that also, you know, gives more trust to the investors, right? Because, you know, you're putting your money in there, you're putting your money on the line. So I think that's pretty cool. Exactly. Yeah, lines interest, right? Like I've seen I've seen certain operators that don't put any in and it's like, you know, how, how aligned are the interests then, right? If you have no actual skin in the game. So it's, yeah, we're yeah. always putting in generally 15 to 20% of the required down payment or the required equity is coming from our side and then the rest rest comes from the LPs. Okay, awesome, right on. And so I read a book probably, I think it was maybe three years ago. It's called The Properties of Real Estate Syndication. And then I met you, I'm like, oh, look at look at Brock, he's doing this stuff yeah. and you know, he's very successful, that's so cool. Um, so how would you suggest like someone who's maybe younger or who just wants to, any, anyone who just wants to get into real estate syndication, how would you suggest starting that? And is it for everyone? Great question. I think you have to start with the basics, right? You know, I, I talk to people a lot of times and they're like, oh, I want to do what you're doing, but like they just haven't really like started with the basics, right? You got to understand the basics of like net operating income, right? Like just how real estate works as high level. So I think you start there, right? And a, a great platform okay. for bigger pockets. I mean, I credit it a lot to that's where I met my first business partner and just learned so much through there. So they have a ton of great content, great place to start with just intro content. And then, you know, once you get that basis of education of just understanding how, you know, everything works, then you can kind of move into, okay, now like niching into the syndication space and really understanding like syndication structures, right? The underwriting, raising capital. Um, mm -hmm. so I think you kind of move into that, that, that flow, you know, syndication isn't something buying a duplex is easy, right? I mean, you could, you know, it's, it's pretty straightforward. You can leverage an FHA loan here, in the, here in the States, at least three and a half percent down. You know, you could save up ten grand, and you can go out and buy buy a duplex in most markets. It, it's pretty straightforward, right? The, most people can figure that out. Whereas, you know, syndication is a little bit more complexities. You're bringing on other people's money. You know, so you got to get people to trust you. You're you're essentially, you know, fiduciary duty to manage mm -hmm. their capital, right? At the end of the day, so it's you got to find the right properties, right? You gotta you gotta know how to underwrite them. So there's more that goes into it. So I think generally, not in all cases, but generally, you, you kind of have to gain a little bit of knowledge and, and hopefully a little bit of experience and then move into the syndication space after. Um, as far as, you know, is it for everyone? I don't think it is for everyone, right? I think it's for, and, and I'm talking specifically like on the general partnership side, like, you know, doing the work, finding the deals, bring the money in. Um, yeah. You know, there's an additional level of responsibility for sure. It's not just your own money, right? Like, so you have to be comfortable with and confident enough that you can, you can generate a return for the investors. If you're kind of just like, oh, I don't know if I could do it, or I don't know if I want that stress. I mean, there, there's going to be stress, right? When when you got other people's money on the line, it's one thing if if, if you lose a hundred grand, right? But if you lose someone else's hundred grand, it's it's a, it's it's more stress, right? So that's that's an additional component too, and you really have to be able to, you know, it's a bigger game, right? Like you're going after these bigger properties, and the goal is to build a very big portfolio. If your goal more so is, hey, I just want to build, you know, a 20, 30 unit portfolio over time to generate. 10 grand a month, right. That I can retire on and live, live a stable life. You know, maybe syndication isn't really the route, but if you're like, Hey, I want to, I want to buy a billion dollars worth of real estate and build something huge. I think this, this is the path of syndication is, is, a, is a real way to get there. Absolutely. Right on. So I think we talked, I was in, where was I? I was in Arizona last time we had like a conversation like this mm -hmm. and um, I was looking to invest because I had money at the time and I was trying to figure out where to put it. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, it was, 25 i was considering and so with that like how does the money like really get dispersed um what's the question i'm trying to find here 
how does it grow or like what's what yeah yeah okay okay so, yeah. so this is what i'm trying to say so yeah what, what what are like the returns like so i i was normally looking for like higher higher returns at the time but you guys do anywhere from five to ten percent returns yeah so it's so right right now is a little bit you know it's tough to find high cash flowing deals uh, but i think yeah. in our market here in milwaukee which it's generally more of a cash flow market compared to you know some of the markets down south like you're realistically you're not getting any cash flow right now you're kind of just banking on appreciation which okay. is a little bit different of a play but for us here i would say you know on our average deals like deals we're working on right now you know we generally are, are targeting seven to ten percent cash flow um within the first few years so you know you, you do the math on that right like 25 grand might, might turn in a couple hundred bucks a month um mm -hmm. every quarter you're, you're getting that distribution right along the way here's you know here's 500 bucks a quarter 600 bucks a quarter and you get that cash flow throughout the way and then mm -hmm. really the goal is with our model and, and most indicators models is value add deals right so we're finding deals where we can come in with existing cash flow right to give you that that, that cash flow each quarter but then ways we can add value to the property to strategically exit in five to ten years okay. so i mean high level if you look at again and applying to most syndication deals within a five-year hold double your money within a 10-year hold triple your money and you're getting okay. cash flow along the way and you're getting all the tax benefits. So those are really, you know, I'd, I'd say the returns you, you can generally expect in, in a deal like this. Um, so it's, you know, there's in the tax. So there are, there are like tax write-offs to this sort of, sort of thing. Correct. That's a big, okay. I mean, a lot of our investors, you know, invest mostly because of the tax benefits, because we can do cost irrigation studies, which accelerates the depreciation. So in year one, you might've gotten, you know, $10,000 in cash flow in, in your bank account. Mm -hmm. But then you get your your K one right your tax statement at the end of the year and it shows you know, you lost fifty thousand dollars that year. Okay. So there's a lot of a lot of tax benefits tied to real estate for sure. And so, what's your strategy? What sort of real estate are you investing in? Is it residential, commercial? All commercial um, and specifically commercial. industrial. Yeah, we're we're super targeted on the industrial asset class. So buying warehouse deals that you know have have few years left in the lease, um, strategic ways to add value where we can come in, get some cash flow in the first few years, bring in a new tenant or, or re renew their lease and have have a long-term lease in play that provides more cash flow or opportunities to exit. But those are really the, the deals we're most bullish on, bullish on right now. Nice, right on. So you guys are essentially like a, a broker to the, to the market. Like you guys bring in all this new cash and do, do you find like invest, like other people coming to you saying, hey, like we wanna sell this property. Um, are you guys interested? Does, does that sort of thing happen? For sure, yeah, for sure it does. I mean, we've, you know, just just through building connections here in our market, right? Like we know, we know some of the bigger investors, and you know, they'll generally, you know, a lot of times deals trade off market, um, and that person might call and say, "Hey, we're looking to sell this property," and send over some information. We go check it out, and we work out a deal. I mean, we've done that. That's half our portfolio is doing deals like that. But there's also the brokers, right? Like you know, we, you know, a lot of our deals come through brokers, um, where you know, a seller will, will go to them and say, "Hey, send it out to your list," and we're top of their list, and we kind of see the deal first. So those are most of our deals. I mean, you know, we've done a few deals that are like widely marketed deals and you kind of just stay in it and negotiate it down. But more so we're working the angle of either connecting directly with the seller or having a very strong relationship with the broker. So we're seeing that deal before, you know, the thousand other people on their list see it. Okay, for sure. And so how do, how do you prepare for the future? Like um, right now, you know, the Fed's doing some interesting things. We've had, you know, a few bank failures, which are pretty huge in the States. Um, mm -hmm. like, are you preparing for anything big? Are you kind of tightening up in areas? Um, I guess, how are, how are you being safe for the future? It's a good question. I mean, it's tough right now to find deals that make sense with rates at, you know, over 6%, six and a half, seven percent almost. I mean, it's, 
it's mm -hmm. tough when sellers, you know, haven't quite, I don't, you know, I haven't seen too much distress in the market yet. And I think this, this varies for sure. Like, you know, state by state market by market. Um, but it seems like I haven't seen like distressed sellers yet where they're like, shit, you know, I need to sell right now and I'll sell it for anything that hasn't happened yet. I, I think, I don't think we're going to see like massive distress, right? Like a lot of the news headlines are seeing that it's, you know, we're going to see all these people that have to have to sell at, at huge discounts. I think there's going to be a good pullback and good opportunity to buy over the next year. I think yep. we're, you know, towards the second half of this year, we might start seeing a little bit more of that. But personally, I mean, the deals I'm seeing right now and they're making offers on, I mean, they're adjusted for interest rates, right? We still need to see our spread on return, but it's not like this massive discount where we're just scooping things up pennies on the okay. dollar. Um, so we're, I mean, as a company, we're, we're still making offers. We're still buying and we're closing on a deal in a few weeks here. So we're, but we're just very tight on our underwriting. I mean, most deals were, we're way off on price. Um, so we're, we're trying to find what makes sense because there's still, there's always deals to be had. I mean, there, in any market, you can find deals that make sense, mm -hmm. but definitely are being super tight on underwriting right now, not trying to get into a deal that we're, you know, buying at the top of the market. And, and if, uh, you know, all of a sudden tenants start seeing distress and moving out that we're going to be affected. But yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be an interesting time the next couple of years and I'm happy to be kind of positioned with the experience we have and the connections we have to, to capitalize when, when the time comes. Absolutely. So like if the market does kind of take a downtrend, do you plan to like double down and, and like, you know, pick up good deals type of thing? For sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of what we're, I mean, right now we're really, like I said, we're still making offers, buying deals, but we're really building out the back end of like systems to be able to really capitalize when, when stuff, when shit hits the fan. Right. Cause there's going to be, like I said, I don't think massive distress, but there's going to be some sort of distress in the next couple of years with everything that's going on in the world. There's got to be. So it's yeah. we're, we're building out a lot of systems right now to really be able to capitalize on that when that time comes. Awesome. And so do you mainly stay just within Wisconsin or did you mention earlier you, you're thinking about maybe investing in Florida as well? Or is it kind of all over the states? Yeah, just just Wisconsin right now. Just with, Southeastern Wisconsin, Wisconsin yeah. is, is all we're focused on. Maybe one day we'll go to these other markets, but I think you know, real estate's all about the connections, right? Connections with brokers, with, with, uh, you know, other investors that are selling. So to move into these more competitive markets is certainly possible, but it's the competition just opens up, you know, it's like you're starting from scratch to kind of going into a new market. So one day, one day it makes sense, but I think for the, the foreseeable future, we're just focused on really building something in this area. Okay, cool. So let's say I'm, you know, somebody in my mid twenties, I have a hundred K and that's all I've, all I've got to my name. How am I going to use that 100K to try to break into the real estate game, try to make my first million? Yeah. How, how would you go about it? Sorry, that might, it might be a tough question, but. <laughs> I think it's, you know, it really starts with the end in mind, right? Like what's, when you, when you look at real estate, what's your goal? Is your goal to be a full-time active real estate investor and build a portfolio that you're actively overseeing? Or is your goal like, hey, I got this other business or this other gig that's like generating a bunch of money. And I just want exposure to real estate, but not necessarily, you know, having to learn everything about real estate. So I think it really starts with that, right? Because if you're saying no, like, you know, I'd rather focus on my business than I'm making a lot of money on and grow that and then just kind of throw some money into real estate so that, you know, I have that exposed in my portfolio. Yeah. Then I think you you look at investing in, in syndications or like funds, right? Where it's, you don't have to necessarily go out and learn how real estate works and like how the taxes work and like, how to get loans and how to find properties. You can just find someone you know and trust that's doing good deals and just, you know, peel off capital them and, and have that exposure in your portfolio. Whereas, but on the other hand, right, if you're like, no, like I want to be all, I want to, I want to build a portfolio in real estate, be actively involved. That's my full-time thing. Then I think, you know, you, you take that hundred grand and either you go out and you buy a deal on your own first, right. To kind of get the ball rolling. 
-hmm. or you, you know you go out and you find a couple of partners and, and pull some capital together to get into a million dollar property or maybe you go right into syndication right and use that as as you know your your, your capital to get in so yeah. i think you know but, but again really starts with like what's the ultimate goal you're trying to build in real estate yeah absolutely yeah and so i i know you mentioned a few times the this concept of underwriting can you just describe to me like what is underwriting and you know what's its use yeah so so analyzing a property right it's it's, okay. a, it's a kind of fancy word for analysis so it's you know really understanding how the numbers work in real estate like for me that's kind of how i got started was like learning underwriting um and i, I still think it's the most important part of of real estate investing because if you don't know the numbers like how are you gonna how are you gonna raise capital right how are you gonna have sophisticated conversations with investors when they ask about you know how you got to these assumptions how are you gonna accurately be the asset manager if you don't know like what sort of projections you're trying to hit so i think really understanding the back end of how to calculate you know what offer price to get to and how to build out a performa is, mm -hmm. is the backbone to me in real estate for sure okay cool and so what are some tools that i could use to like go find a you know a commercial property that's that's a good deal like you know do you go on zillow or is there a specific commercial property locator or where, where do i go there's a few of them yeah um so loopnet is is kind of like the zillow for commercial um okay. and then there, there's crexy um, there's there's a few of them uh, I generally I mean sometimes I'll, I'll browse on there and see what's up but really you know commercial is a little bit different where most of the you know 95% of the good deals don't hit the market um, you know they'll they either go through a broker or go direct from the seller so really you know a broker so that's can, where that's where networking you know comes into play where it's it's essential to have a good network right exactly if you don't yeah. have a good network of brokers and just real estate investors in your local market like you're just trying to find stuff, you know, on these major platforms. You might find a deal eventually, but your time's better spent like really building relationships with brokers and working your way up that funnel to see the good deals. Yeah, for sure. Right on. So where I'm at, I, I know a lot of people who are doing like short-term rentals. They do like Airbnbs, VRBOs. Mm -hmm. It's a very tourist type of area. Um, what's your opinion on like you know short-term rentals? Are, are you planning to do anything like that in the future? Yeah, I mean, I, I keep hearing more and more people killing it in that space. Um, it's something I haven't done, or nor have I really researched. Um, maybe one day. I think for me, I'm just so focused on like building what we're doing right now, and that would be kind of like take you know taking taking a left instead of keep going straight, right? I yeah, think. Exactly. So, so it's it's a little bit out of out of what we're trying to do because we're you know if we're trying just to stay grab focused, right? property exactly. Yeah, so I don't want to get, but maybe one day, right? I find the right property and and, and decide to get into that space, but. For now, like I don't really know much about it. I mean, I hear great things about it. I think, from what I know, like it really comes down to like the right location, right? The zoning, making sure that you're like not buying something that's going to get zoned a different way, and all of a sudden you can't rent it out. So I think it's fall is, is from what I know. If you, if you buy the right property in the right location, it, it can be really lucrative. Awesome, right on. So I, I want to get like a little more personal. So, um, you know, I, I've been following you for like a year, and now you're like, I see you're starting your own podcast channel. Is that correct? Yeah, we just filmed yeah. the first couple episodes last right week. Yeah. And your content on Instagram, it's been you've been killing the game. You're putting out this awesome content. You're you're hitting the gym. You're doing like natural organic foods and all this sort of stuff. So uh, can you tell me a little bit about like your lifestyle? Um, you know, what gets you up in the morning and why do you strive to live this healthy lifestyle and like improve yourself? Like, why do you do that? Yeah, good question, man. No, I think. They like honestly like a year and a half ago two years ago like i've always like worked out kind of right but like i just more so decided like 
like to really perform at a high level and like kill it in business, I think it really comes back to like, how do you feel every day? Like what's your energy going into each day? Yeah. And so much of that is like diet, right? Like lifestyle choices. So like a year and a half, two years ago, I was like, all right, like I'm going to switch up kind of my diet, right? Like implement some new like routines and just different things I'm doing to really optimize for higher energy and higher productivity. Mm-hmm. That's where a lot of these things kind of started. And I just, you know, researching people, right? What are other people doing? What's working? Experimenting with different things, finding what works for me. So I think a lot of that stuff has been fun to just play around with and see like what works and like what adds more energy to my day and more productivity. Nice, right on. So do you follow, I think he goes by the name Solbra. Do you follow Sobra on Instagram? No, I don't think so. No, no. No? Okay. You, you should give him a follow. He's all okay. about like, uh, you know, adding minerals to your water, organic cotton t-shirts, all this sort of stuff, like being careful with the fabrics you put in your body. He's like a, a super health nut, but I, yeah. I follow him and, uh, he, you know, he's an influencer I, I really like to follow. Um, but recently, I'd say in the last like probably six months, I've really tried to to focus on my health. Um, it's just been like, you know, one of my top priorities in life. Mm-hmm. So I've been doing like yoga every day, going to the gym. So now I have like a weight goal. I'm trying to do like, you know, 10 pounds extra. So I'm at like 160 right now, trying to get to 170. Um, but, but it's funny. Like, I think the people around me are like, dude, you're, you're crazy. What are you doing? Like, I only do organic foods now. I also yeah. do filtered water. Do you do the filtered water? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So I just do like pure filtered alkaline water. You know, it's got a certain pH. They even put Himalayan pink salts in there. Um, And I find like those small things like add so much to like my energy levels. Like I feel like a brand new person. Um, You know, I was doing like Wim Hof breathing this morning. It just gives me more energy and like sets the tone for the day, right? And like in business in general, like your health is number one. 100%, yeah, like how, you know, if you're, if you're feeling like shit and you're like tired and groggy, like how are you supposed to get on a sales call? Right. And, and, and negotiate a deal or, or close someone on, you know, investing or something. Right. Or how are you supposed to, you know, think through like your big strategy or what you're trying to, so I think there's like so much of that stuff that plays into it. Whereas if you're yeah. just feeling dialed every day, it's like, you just, you can come into things with such a higher focus and productivity. Yeah, absolutely. So we met at um, one of Colin Yerkeson's events down mm-hmm. in Miami. And that guy, he's like, he's doing biohacking. He's got his own thing going on with like yeah. Bitcoin and like helping people with their credit repair, all that sort of stuff. But um, I, I think he might maybe like spark that interest in me. Like, oh, wow, like, you know, your your, your personal presence and, you know, your health is, is very important, right? Um, so like, I think people like that, like, they kind of inspire me, you know? Um, like I always try to surround myself around people who are maybe a little bit better than myself in certain areas mm-hmm. and it kind of rubs off on me. Right. So like, I think your sphere of the people you submerge yourself within is like, it's very valuable. So wh- where do you find like people in life that kind of bring you up? Do you go to meetups or like, what do you do? For sure. Yeah. To <laughs> you're totally right. You're totally right. Where it's like people you surround yourself with, right? I think a lot of people, you know, you, you have your high school friend group and people you grew up with and like, those yeah. are always going to be lifelong friends, but like, maybe they're just not have the same mindset. They're not talking about the same things you want to be talking about. So, you, you know, you, you come to a point where it's like, you just, you can't be hanging out with those people every weekend, right? Like maybe you see each other every once in a while because they're still good buddies. But I think you're totally right where it's like the people you're hanging out with on the weekends, right? That you're going out for dinners with and having drinks with and stuff is like, those are, you, know, you want to be having the right conversations, right? And have, have similar goals and, and thinking big. So I think for me, I mean, it's, you know, I've, I've met a good network of people here, actually in the, the building I live in, uh, the apartment building I live in here in Milwaukee, I've, okay. I've kind of just ran into a good network here that I hang out with a lot that 
a lot of successful people that I've learned a lot from. So I think, you know, just being involved in different like membership groups and just different events, right? You kind of meet people that you align interests with. And that's what I've been finding, you know, spending a lot of time with those people has, has opened up different avenues and different, you know, just overall thinking bigger. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like community is key. You know, it's, it, it all comes down to community, your environment, like all those things lead to a healthy lifestyle. And I know you, you're a very like, um, how do I say this? Like, like I noticed you track your time and, and you'll share this yeah. on, on social media. Yep. So can you tell me how do you create like a healthy work life balance? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think, you know, I don't necessarily like I so I like I enjoy working right like I, I work I've noticed that like, like you're a hustler you you go after it and you're, you're working all the time <laughs> for sure yeah I mean there's certain things where it's like oh shit like I gotta do that task like that's not fun but like most of what I do like I'm excited every day to like work like on the weekends like I'm excited to work on this whatever new project I'm working on so you know but tracking my time like specifically I started doing that I got that idea actually from uh Rob Beerjack which uh I, I like his stuff a lot What's that oh, okay. Did, did you yeah. hear the uh, the My First Million podcast? With yeah. Rob Deck? yeah. Yeah. That's kind of that, what all that was a great one. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's <laughs> all, like, I never knew. Like, you always just thought of him as like a skateboarder. He says it's like, all about hu human optimization or something like is. that. Yeah. He's, he's fucking, he's great. He's great. Yeah. So that's he's awesome. I, actually got, got the I would have never known he was so business minded until yeah. that podcast, to be honest. Until he came out and started talking about it. But yeah, like, so, yeah. so I, I kind of got that idea from him and like started tracking my time. I think I've been doing it for like over a year now. And uh, it's, 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 it's interesting to see each week, right? Like how many hours did I work? How much, how much hours did I spend on health? You know, what was my, like, you know, I call it like social leisure time, right? Um, like I even track like, you know, golf and kind of just different things I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And then looking back at the trends is interesting. Like whether it's week over week or month over month or like year over year and just kind of seeing what the trends are and then like optimizing, right? Like how much sleep did I get? Um, okay. I need, I want to, you know, increase that or decrease that kind of just playing around with it and, and retracking everything each week. So that's kind of what I've, what I've been doing. And it's, it's interesting, you know, it takes some time to get the data, right? Because one week of data is not going to do much, but now that I have like a year's worth of data and I can kind of just pull reports and like, see like, okay, where was that compared to last year? Um, is, uh, has been fun. Yeah. So, so what's kind of your, your priority right now? Is it, is it like 80% work, 20% leisure and fun or how, how do you balance it? Yeah. I mean, so I've honestly like, it varies for me. Right. I think I tend to work more, um, like in the, in like the winter times. Okay. Um, and you know, I, I like to golf a lot in the summertime. So I'm a little bit more lax about, and I like to do things on the weekend. So it's, it varies a little bit for me, depending yeah, on the time. We, we got to golf sometime. I'm a golfer too. I'm probably not as good as you, but I do like for to sure, get man. out there and swing the clubs. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's such a fun sport. So I, I like, I, I love to, I love to golf, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, on, on a weekly basis, right. Like I'm generally trying to, work like, you know, 50 to 55 hours a week. Um, yep. you know, I want my sleep to be 33% each week. Um, you know, so eight hours, eight hours a night. So like things like that, you know, my health, I, I try to have at least two hours of health a day, um, which is a combination of like going to the gym or just like morning routine. So, so things like that is really where I, I, I try to optimize and hit those goals, but it doesn't happen every week, right? Like there's, there's weeks I, you know, sleep less or sleep more, or I, I don't work as much as I did the week before. So it's, it's kind of a balance, but I look at it each week and just, and just try to change my daily habits to, to hit those goals. For sure. Right on. And if you don't mind me asking, um, just some questions about your personal, like investment goals, all that sort of stuff. Um, outside of real estate, do you do any like crypto? Bitcoin, um, or investing in certain stocks, you know, every time I tried 
try to invest in anything else besides real estate, I feel like I, I just I get crushed. So I, yeah. it's like I don't really like stocks. Like I mean, I think I have like some you know like robo trader accounts and like I've tried to do some like single trades and um, just never really like learned too much about that. Uh, I have I have you know put put some money into crypto uh, over the past few years. I've you know thrown thrown a little bit of money in there. Uh, my timing hasn't been the greatest. I think I literally like when I decided to really put some money in like a decent amount of capital. It was I think like pretty much right at the peak. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that that's down a little bit. <laughs> but like I've actually been putting a little bit more into crypto right now, like kind of mm -hmm. uh, you know learning a little bit more about it. But to be honest, like I just I have a general understanding of of how you know crypto and stocks work, right? And like you know somewhat, but. To me, it's like I just I'm so much more confident like investing in real estate and knowing that like this is a good deal and this is a good place to put capital that like, you know, 90 percent of my net worth is in real estate. Um, so mm -hmm. it's you know, I, I would like to kind of get involved with like I've invested in a few like startups, right? And like more like VC sort of things. So as I grow and have more capital just sitting there and like more disposable capital where it's like, all right, you know, let's get a little bit more exposure. But for now, it's just like and I think forever, right? Like real estate's always going to be that bulk of my investment portfolio. Yeah, absolutely. So for me, like I made the bulk of my money like two, three years ago through Bitcoin, um, you know, mm -hmm. 2019, 2020, I was investing heavily into Bitcoin. Um, you know, I, I made a, a tremendous amount of money for myself at the time. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I learned a lot of lessons that's kind of every young investor has to go through. Um, some of the key takeaways is that, that I've learned is like stick to your plan. Don't go off course. And it's hard when you start seeing those number signs and you're like, oh my goodness, like this is, this is amazing, right? And, and yep, that's yep. usually when when you're, the ego will take you somewhere else, right? So for me, it's like stick to your plan. Um, and then like, I, I'm not really a trader and not yet. Like you have to really train for that. That takes years of practice. You know, you have to have good risk management skills. Um, I was kind of getting like over leveraged. I was trying to get to like a quarter mil as, as quickly as possible. And mm -hmm. I, you know, I was putting up one Bitcoin to take, you know, 50% in cash or in U USDC, something like that. Yeah. Um, which was kind of bad, you know? So, so, so I learned my lessons. Uh, the market kicked my ass. But what I've, fig what I've figured out is like, I'm a good consistent investor. So I can like dollar cost average into something over a long period of time. And that's what I'm good at because I can leave it there and not touch it like forever. So my goal with Bitcoin now is like 20 years out, like dollar cost average every day, a little portion. Don't look at it for 20 years. And like, that's my bet. For me, it's like, it's a super long-term bet. And I think I could be really good with real estate because I would just apply those same, you know, thinking strategies to real estate. Because real estate, it's a long game, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's totally the right approach too, right? I think with any investment, you have to have a long-term horizon on it. It's not like the people that got lucky with GameStop and like, you know, just, just kind of bought and, and 10x their money in like a couple of days, like whatever, like maybe you get lucky every once in a while or invest in the right startup and it, it 10Xs. But it's like, mm -hmm. you really, I think general investment is like just long-term approach with everything, right? If you're willing, if you're, if you're, if you're confident in the asset you're investing in and knowing that this is going to take 10, 20, 30 years to really generate wealth, those that's, that's really how like big wealth is created, right? Like you can't, just go into something thinking I'm going to, you know, put $10,000 in and be a millionaire next year. Like just doesn't really happen. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, it, like it can happen in some cases, but obviously those are bubbles and looking back, it's like, okay, obviously 2020, that was a huge bull run, but still yeah. it's just a cycle. It's, it's just a bubble and you have to recognize the signs and you can only really recognize that once you live through a cycle, you're like, okay, now I understand the bull and bear markets. 
yeah. when to buy, when to sell. So for instance, right now, like dollar cost averaging into most things is actually really good because we're at a yeah. very bad bear market. Um, and personally, I think it's going to get worse. So like, this is when you want to be buying in my mind. Um, for sure. I totally yeah. agree. So do you see any like areas of opportunity within real estate? So like some of the cool stuff I've seen is like buying, you know, a piece of like a property through an NFT. So I, I'm always like looking into like the new, like weird tech things submerging um, or sorry, rising up. And that's kind of cool. I've also seen like um, you can buy royalties to music through this app called Helios. Um, the creator is Ryder Abdel. He's creating like this new app for the Solana phone. They're trying to get people to build apps for it. Um, so like, that's cool. Like, like technology and how we can use it so you can get like royalties to owning a piece of something and you have that NFT on your wallet. And by having that, they'll send you, you know, a dividend every month, every month for having that. Like, do you see anything like that with real estate? Dude, I, like, I, I love, I love, I like something like that's going to happen, right? Like over as we're transitioning, everything's going digital, right? Like there's going to be so much innovation with it because real estate is such an outdated, outdated business, right? Like there's, you yeah. know, when you close on a deal, you're still going in, in the title office and manually signing, you know, 500 pages of documents. And like, it's all so old school. And there's going to be, I think there's going to be a lot of, a lot of changes over the next 10 years in real estate. But to be honest, like there it's, it's so hard, right? Because like you're changing an industry that's been around for so long. Um, and like, for me, it's like, although like I see other people doing these cool things and like, and coming up with these ideas to get creative around real estate, it's it, all that takes time, right? Like it, it takes time to, to build that out and like understand how it works and it's a new business. So for me, like I, I just try to stay really focused on like what I'm doing and what's working. And for me, it's building a big portfolio on real estate, buying good assets and following what I'm doing. So I don't, I try not to get distracted with anything that doesn't align towards that. And to me, like right now, that would be a little bit more of a distraction and like something new. Um, yeah. So my approach really to that has been like, I want to be aware of what's going on, what's changing in the industry. And if I see something I like, I want to invest as a, like a silent partner, right? As an LP. So yeah, that's more so my approach is building wealth into like what I know and do. But like, hey, if I see this cool idea where innovation could happen and someone else is working on it, right? Maybe you're coming up with a cool idea. It's like I'd rather just like invest as, as a passive investor. Be like, all right, I trust you and your vision and what you're doing. I want I want a piece of it, right? But I don't necessarily have to be involved in anything. I can still focus on what I'm doing. So that's that's been more my approach is like focus on what I know and, and I'm doing. And if I see good opportunities, just be able to find a way to invest alongside that person. Okay, cool. Right on. And so for your company what are your long-term goals like what's your one year five year ten year goal like right now you're at 25 million assets under management where do you hope to be within a year five years and then ten years yeah so within the next year we want to double that get to 50. um the year after that double it again do 100. i would say within 10 years to get to a billion um that's that's kind of the, the the goal right i think for me like goals wise it's hard to project out more than a couple of years um because it's just you know it's hard to say. I mean, ultimately the goal is to get to a billion AUM, right? And it'll happen one day. I don't know if it's five years, 10 years or 15 years. Yeah. Um, but like I fo I'm focused on the next year, right? Like I set goals on, you know, I start with a year in mind and I, I track that back to a monthly goal setting. Um, so for the next year, it's to double it, get to 50. And then, you know, the year after that, get to a hundred. So those are kind of the, you know, the numbers in my mind right now, beyond that, I don't really have a timeline on anything. Cool. Right on. Right on. Is there anything else you want to tell me about smart, smart asset capital? No, yeah, I think I think we covered a lot of. Your are stuff. you guys are you guys doing anything cool and interesting? Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 really excited about what we're doing in in the industrial asset class right now. I think there's a lot of good opportunity that's 
I think it's a great asset class because we, we've, we've invested in like pretty much most asset classes. Like we've done retail, self-storage, you know, office, multifamily. Like we've done all these different asset classes and industrial is my favorite. Um, so I'm really excited as we're kind of niching down into that asset class and, and just really becoming experts in that asset class. To, uh, the returns are going to be able to generate and kind of the, the growth we're going to be able to see from doing that. Cool. Awesome. Right on. So where can people find you like online? You, you do you want people to follow you on Instagram? Do you have a Twitter? Where where can people find out more about uh, Smart Asset Capital? Yeah, Instagram Instagram is the main one. I mean, I'm not really too active on many other platforms aside from there. So I think it's just my first and last name, Brock Mogensen. That's where I've been. Like, I mean, I, I'm trying to do more there and, and put out more content and, and really focus on on providing value there. So that's that's the main way. I'm, I'm you know hit me in the DMs if you want to. Anyone wants to chat because I'm, I'm pretty active on responding to those. But yeah, I'd say that's the best way to get get in touch and follow along for sure. Awesome. And so for your new podcast that you're starting, uh, can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited for that. We, we just we recorded the first couple episodes. It, haven't, it hasn't released yet. It should be in a few weeks. Um, so that it's, it's called Winning Wealth. Um, and the, the premise That's behind nice. it is like generating. It. Yeah. Yeah. We, it took us a while to figure out the name. We finally <laughs> got one figured out. Uh, more so just like searching through domains. Like, is this one available? Is this one for, available? For real? It's so hard. <laughs> Everything. Every time we had a good idea, I was like, oh, no shit. Someone already took that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's like, it's it, the premise is, you know, building wealth, health, and happiness. So it's more so a general kind of podcast that talks about just building in those, in those, in those ways. So I'm excited for, you know, some of the guests we're going to bring on and just stuff we're going to talk about. So that's hopefully I'm going to, I'm going to kind of delve into that and see if we can grow that business. That's awesome. I love that you said, you know, wealth, health, happiness, because a lot of people, they think of, you know, there's a difference between being rich and then being wealthy. For me, rich is like, you know, somebody could have, you know, a bunch of money. But for me, wealth is like all these different pockets. You know, it's kind of like what we discussed. It's like your personal health, it's your family, it's uh -huh. your personal finance, it's your spirituality. It's it's all of these other things that are well-balanced. You know what I mean? It's, you know, someone could have only, only money, but they have no health, they have no connections, no community, you know, and that's that's not a happy, sustainable life, life you know, so. For sure. I, I think you're going to have plenty of success with that because a lot of people are kind of, you know, being more conscious that like, oh, like wealth isn't just money. It's not what we've been fed for, mm -hmm. you know, how many years, right? <laughs> it's not just what they tell us online. And a lot of people are waking up to that, to that re realization, right? So for sure. Yeah. And I totally agree. It's like, you can be super rich, but like, if you just wake up feeling like shit every day and you're not happy, like what kind of life is that? So I think it's, it's a balance of, yeah, you know, creating wealth obviously helps a lot, but there's also, yeah. uh, you know, other aspects to it. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm still trying to figure out the name for my podcast. I think I'm going to do like high Q. So it's kind of like, kind of like a, a pun on like a high IQ, but like, yeah. I don't know, you, you could replace the Q with a bunch of things like quotient, quality, all, all that sort of stuff. So. I like it. That's a good one. Yeah, come so yeah, up with the name. Just, just going to put it out on YouTube. And, and I'm just having fun with this. So I really appreciate you talking with me today. And um, yeah, it was fun. For sure, man. No, I'm glad, glad we got caught up and talked about some cool shit. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll let you get back to it. I want to respect your time. And uh, we'll talk next time, kid. Okay? All right, cool. Thanks, Leaf. Good talking to you, man. All right, Brock. See you, bro. Take it easy. Later. Thanks.